Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 294 of the podcast. It is December 13th, 2017. Joining me today is Clay Linkus, an account leader and speaker with Studer Group. He is an accomplished cultural transformation and leadership expert who has synthesized lean and other improvement methods with Studer Group principles and practices. So today we'll talk about Clay's career and his purpose and motivations, both for working in healthcare and improving healthcare. We're both firm believers in the combination of Studer and lean practices, so we'll be discussing that as our main topic. I also want to say in the interest of disclosures that earlier this year, uh, I became listed as a speaker through Studer Group in addition to my other work and roles. So I do have a working relationship with them, but I I do so because I've long respected uh, Quint Studer, the now uh, retired founder of Studer Group, or he's retired from Studer Group and doing other things. Um, But I really respect uh, his work and and the approach that Studer Group takes working uh, out there in healthcare uh, with their clients, they use the term partners. So when uh, Clay talks about Studer Group partners, um, that's what we mean there. Um, so I'm really excited about the conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And and hopefully uh, Clay and I and some of the other Studer Group folks will do some podcasts in 2018. Thanks for listening. Well, Clay, welcome uh, to the podcast. I'm Mark Graven, host of uh, the podcast. You know, we're going to talk for maybe 30 or 40 minutes today. We're going to be discussing Lean, Studer Group, the connections and synergies in these approaches. So I want to uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark, for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I think it was appropriate. This is a, a well-known uh, Studer Group technique. I tried to start here with, uh, with an aid-it to uh, acknowledge <laughs> and introduce so even though you, you you know who i am and we've met and uh, talk about the duration and the expectations and to um, and to thank you so i really am pleased that we're going to have uh, this chance to chat today yeah i'm excited too yeah i wanted you know we're going to talk about um you know studer group methodologies and and principles and and connections to lean of course but let, let's start you know talking about you and in your career you know, i'm always curious not just um, how people got introduced to lean, you know, I think we'll come back to that. But I think for people in healthcare, you know, there's this question of, you know, passion and, and motivation. Um, how, how did you get started in healthcare? I'm curious to hear your story and a little bit about your motivations. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you asking that, Mark. And I, I think it's a great starting point. And it's something that I always want to hear from, from others as well, because I think you know, we have to, to figure out where people's passion does come from. Um, mine personally, I, uh, when I was a, a child, I actually was diagnosed with epilepsy. And uh, through my childhood and teenage years, um, I had a, a number of uh, seizures that were pretty scary. And the, uh, the worst one I ever had, I was actually uh, uh, married. Um, uh, we were expecting our first child. And um, I was driving by myself, but actually had a seizure and uh, totaled my car in a single car accident. And uh, I just remembered my thoughts during that time um, about how, you know, I was scared that I was not going to ever be able to carry my children in my arms because I was afraid I might drop them if I had a seizure or um, I was afraid I was going to be able to drive them around if I had a seizure, you know, and so there was just 
all these, you know, concerns and fears about the future. And um, I share all that with you to to say that, you know, my my passion for healthcare is because um, it was around that time that I was able to um, really have some breakthroughs in my healthcare. Uh, and through the care that I was getting from some neurologists and, and other specialty teams, um, I'm proud to say that, um, you know, 15 years later, um, I've been seizure free for 15 years now. And um, because of the, you know, just amazing health care that I received. And so honestly, you know, what gets me up in the morning, um, what gives me a passion to uh, really do what I do is really give back to the industry that's given me so much, given my family so much. Um, and it's just an opportunity for me just to share my gratitude and help give back to those folks that are making such a difference in the world. So thanks for, for thanks for asking. That's really where my passion comes from. Yeah. And, and thanks for sharing that because I, mean, I think it's always, it's, it's good to have the reminders of um, the positives, you know, when, when, we, when, we, when we focus on improving healthcare, um, I'm as guilty of, uh, as anybody of, of focusing on the waste, focusing on the problems, but you're right, there are a lot of amazing things that happen every day in healthcare. Absolutely. So where, how, where did that take you professionally then into, um, into your career, into, um, UT, University of Tennessee Health System. Can you talk a little bit about yep. that progression? Yeah, sure. I uh, actually have a, a pretty diverse you know, career background um, from an educational standpoint. Uh, I did a, an undergrad in uh, exercise science and uh, never really used that degree. A lot of my colleagues and, and college um, um, peers, you know, they went into different healthcare fields like cardiac rehab and some of them went to PT and some of them went to be, you know, orthopedics. Um, but I literally uh, actually became a uh, associate pastor for a number of years. Um, little, that's probably a whole nother podcast for another time. We can talk about that. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, after about four or five years, uh, found my way uh, into a sales and marketing role for a, uh, a startup firm. Uh, did that for a number of years, and uh, during all this time, I was married to my my wife, um, who's a critical care nurse, and I just always remember uh, being somewhat jealous of her because I felt like that the work that she was doing each day, um, you know, just really was making an impact for people on a, on a daily basis. And so um, I decided that I really wanted to um, do something that I really felt like was making an impact in the world, and so. I actually went back to school, um, went back to school, school to do a uh, MBA in healthcare administration. I figured that there probably wasn't a good need for me to be taking care of patients, but I love the idea of, of really making an impact in healthcare. Um, and so I also knew that I probably needed to get some experience. And so I actually um, contacted uh, the vice president that was over my wife's um, nursing service line and just honestly asked her if, um, you know, I kind of talked to her and share kind of my career goals. And she and I just really connected, um, really hit it off. Um, and she wound up uh, offering me an internship uh, to basically, you know, work with her while I was in school. And she uh, honestly really um, catapulted my career. Her name is Teresa Levy. She's actually the chief administrative officer still at uh, UT Medical Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm just so grateful for Teresa because she really um, you know, really launched my career, offered me an opportunity to work on a lot of different projects that were really high profile. 
And it was during that time I also um, wound up finding myself being offered a full-time job uh, at UT in their performance improvement department. And uh, UT was uh, beginning uh, kind of their lean journey. Uh, they had decided to adopt um, kind of the, the Toyota production system, the Virginia Mason system as part of their operating platform. And they really needed some subject matter experts to really help lead and guide that. And so they invested in me, uh, sent me off for training and development. And um, really, that's where uh, I got started. I went through a lot of training through uh, UT College of Business, um, started working with a lot of uh, subject matter experts at UT, got a chance to work with some folks that um, I know you're familiar with, um, uh, some of the folks over at UT, Chuck Noon, and some other folks over there, and um, just really um, developed kind of a passion and a, a real interest in, in lean, and, and from there started working on a lot of projects at the hospital and the health system to help them improve quality of care and throughput and different things like that. And so from there, um, you know, I've also have pursued, I'm a, a Six Sigma black belt through the American Society of Quality um, and uh, just continue to develop kind of that. Um, I'm kind of a constant learner around uh, that body of work. So that's a little bit about, about where that comes from. Yeah. And, and speaking of Chuck Noon, uh, longtime regular podcast listeners might remember that um, episode 120 of this podcast was a discussion I had with Chuck Noon and Dr. Jody Crane talking about uh, yep. lean and emergency medicine um, and, and some of the work they've done and and the book they've written. So, um, yeah, the good good people to um, to be learning from uh, Virginia Mason and, and others. So, um, you know, the, how would you describe and you've talked about, you know, doing some projects and, you know, but in. I think, you know, it's always important to come back to, to purpose. And I know this is a very important um, thing for, um, you know, the student group um, connecting to purpose. When 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 in, when you were either first introduced to Lean or, or doing some of that work, I mean, how did you see that performance improvement work connecting um, to your own personal purpose, uh, the purpose of people you were working with? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I feel like that my, um, my purpose kind of at a high level was, Really, to figure out how do we how do we make healthcare better? Um, how do we make it better for uh, employees? How do we make it better for physicians? How do we ultimately make it better for patients? And that kind of theme was what really drove me um, and, and woke me up every day. And so I really saw lean as a um, you know a means to an end. I saw it as an opportunity to really help myself, others, um, you know, in a larger healthcare system and even the industry. Uh, do just that. And so that that was for me how it really connected to my purpose. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, whenever we see great success stories with lean out there, um, you know, people talk about um, their their purpose and um, benefits on, on many levels, not just measurable benefits, but emotional benefits for for patients and for staff and financial benefits for the organization. It seems like sometimes organizations get off track when yeah, I don't know if they're trying to shortcut the process and, and they sort of come out and tell people, hey, you need to go implement this. And like, well, yeah. you know, without connecting it to purpose or, or, or even reasons why. What, what, what are some of your thoughts or recommendations if an organization is, is struggling in, in, in that way? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a great conversation because one of the things that I have found over the last um, probably decade is there's a lot of, uh, what I would call very well-intentioned uh, lean practitioners 
um, that I'm going to uh, just for the, for the for lack of vocabulary refer to as kind of head people. And so you've got in healthcare, you've got head people and you've got kind of heart people. And sometimes what happens is, is that the, the head people get really excited about lean because of the opportunity to improve metrics and improve performance. But they sometimes forget about this whole other group of people in healthcare that are, um, I refer to as kind of heart people. And you really have to help them connect this work back to the things that are important to them, their values. Um, and it can't just be about, you know, moving a number, but it really has to be about, you know, how does this connect to, um, you know, worthwhile work, a sense of purpose, making a difference. Uh, you know, things that are important to folks like nurses and physicians and really around, you know, how does this help them improve quality of care? And if you can really help, you know, through either stories or through um, examples um, or very intentional uh, messaging, help people understand how this does connect back to those things. Uh, I have found in my experience that you'll get a lot more traction uh, in your lean journey uh, as opposed to just trying to deploy uh, you know, a lean uh, system per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and there's a, g a great reminder there that stories are um, are, are really powerful. Uh, it's not just the data and the metrics, but um, you know, there there, there are some really um, compelling stories that um, re reach people's uh, hearts. And uh, yeah, I, th I think back even a connection to uh, Pascal Dennis, who's an author and a uh, former Toyota. Uh, manager, and we've done some podcasts together. And, and Pascal always emphasizes, even coming from that sort of hardcore engineering background, well, you know, and he worked in HR, so maybe he's both a head and a heart person. Um, but mm -hmm. he said, you've got to reach people's hearts and minds uh, at the same yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll come back, you know, we'll, we'll talk more um, you know, about lean, uh, you know, but I want to talk a little bit about some of your own personal transition into um, Studer Group, you know, before we talk about some of the um, synergies or parallels um, in, in methodologies, can, can you talk about making that career transition and, and maybe use that as a way to introduce um, Studer Group, the organization, for listeners who might not um, know about Studer Group? Sure. Well, it's, um, uh, it's a nice segue when you uh, mentioned the, the topic of storytelling. Um, I, I can think of not many better storytellers than Quint Studer, the uh, the founder of Studer Group, and um, he just had a real gift for, uh, and still does, for communicating to audiences and really connecting work um, back to you know a sense of purpose. But Studer Group is a, um, a healthcare uh, coaching firm uh, based out of Pensacola, Florida. Uh, we've been around for about 20 years. And our work is um, a little bit unique in the sense that we focus a lot on uh, leadership on healthcare. We focus a lot on culture. Um, and we are uh, firm believers in process improvement. Um, but part of our philosophy is that um, it will struggle if it's just a standalone item by itself. Um, Studer Group has received, um, you know, accolades such as uh, in 2010, we actually were a recipient of the Malcolm Baldridge Award. Uh, for the last 10 years, uh, we have been in the 99th percentile internally for employee engagement. Um, and we also rank uh, among some of the top companies in the world for net promoter score customer loyalty. So we compare with uh, organizations such as USAA, Amazon, Apple, um, as far as the way that our, our customers think about us and the service and quality that we provide to them. And so 
I share all that to say that we would not you know, achieve all that if we weren't firm believers, um, you know, in process improvement and, and things that can help organizations um, improve. But we really um, have a strong passion for uh, applying that on top of a, a leadership framework. And so I found out about Stewart Group. I was actually um, working at UT Medical Center, uh, and I was doing a lot of work as a um, an internal lean practitioner for the organization. And I wound up going to actually to a conference. Uh, it was actually a American College of Healthcare Executives conference, and Quint just happened to be one of the, uh, the sessions. Um, I was not familiar with Quint, but um, I you know heard him speak, and his message, Mark, just really resonated with me because a lot of what he he talked about was how um, you know I, I can remember him saying things like you know culture eats process improvement for lunch, and I, I can remember him saying things like. Um, you know, that um, uh, it has to be the, the people or the people. You know, a lot of times I'll hear, uh, you know, really strong lean lean practitioners talk about it's the, you know, it's the pre- people or the process. And um, Quint was just really focused on kind of the, the people part of it. And one of the things he mentioned was how, you know, like with a PI project or, you know, you might be doing a Kaizen project or some sort of rapid cycle improvement that even if you had a, a perfectly designed uh, project, uh, if you had a perfectly designed um, process that, you know, you could take a, a low performing uh, individual and they could actually sabotage that process and, and make it not work optimally. And then vice versa, a lot of times in healthcare, we don't always recognize that there are process improvement opportunities because we have high performing individuals who are simply figuring out how to work around broken processes. And what struck me about all of that was it was really something that was um, kind of dear to me because I had seen that. I'd seen that in my own organization about how um, that a lot of times, no matter no matter how strong of a deployment we would try to do with uh, certain um, lean principles, that a lot of times they would come up short and we would either, you know, not necessarily get the outcomes we wanted or they wouldn't stick or they wouldn't happen as fast as we wanted. Um, and a lot of times it was it was due to the cultural issues. It was due to the people part of the equation. And so I really um, uh, came back from that conference and found myself starting to be just a disciple of everything that Studer Group was uh, putting out as far as thought leadership. I was reading a lot of their books. I was, um, you know, watching a lot of their videos, pulling down a lot of the resources from their website. And after, um, you know, a period of time of doing that and even uh, applying and experimenting with some of those things in my own areas of, of responsibility, um, I wound up contacting Studer Group and just said, hey, I'm, you know, I just love this stuff. I find that it's making such a big difference. Um, and I'd love to see if there's an opportunity for me to, uh, to come and be part of your team. And that was in uh, the early part of 2012. Uh, and I've been doing, uh, I've been, I came on board with Studer Group in that year and I've been part of the team ever since. And uh, wake up every day in uh, just an incredible opportunity to to make a difference in healthcare. So that was a, a big part of how I transitioned. Yeah, well, it's great that you you had that opportunity. And if I remember right, 2012 was probably right about the time, uh, maybe soon after, where you and I crossed paths. We've been we've crossed paths at a couple of lean healthcare transformation summits, a, a few student group events. Yep, yeah, I do I do recall that. And then I think uh, yeah, you and I have, have connected and. Actually, um, you know, your book, Lean Hospitals, uh, was one of the first uh, books that I had had read when I was actually at UT. 
that was still to this day. I've got it here earmarked on my desk and use it as kind of a, a field reference manual every now and then to uh, uh, sharpen up my, my knowledge around the topics. Oh, well, thank you. It's uh, quite, quite kind of you to, to mention that. And, uh, you know, as far as books and, you know, talking about Quint Studer uh, being a great storyteller, one of the books that was uh, very important to me and is sitting here on my bookshelf is uh, Quint's book, um, Hardwiring Excellence, because you know, when I first got into healthcare in 2005 and you know, I was trying to learn about this environment and, you know, I was, I was working with people and they were telling me their stories and experiences, but a, a number of people recommended, so you've got to read Quint's book. And so finally, I, I, I took that advice and yeah, um, that, that book was really um, compelling and, and powerful uh, for me, not just of, you know, of his story, but, you know, and, and reading about his approach and, and philosophies um, to me really resonated because I, I thought there was a lot of connection and overlap to lean on on a number of levels, you know, not just some of the tactics. Uh, you know, I think rounding with a purpose is very similar to the idea of what a lot of people would call a gamble walk of, you know, not going sure. out and just you know, not just getting out of the office, but going out with some specific questions, some leader standard work, if you will. But then, you know, there's the style in the idea of, of servant leadership, um, making sure uh, people have what they need to do a good job. Um, there, there are parallels to what I hear from Toyota leaders saying, you know, it's a leader's responsibility to create a system in which people can be successful, you know, that they're not yeah. having to constantly um, uh, develop workarounds for, as, as you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So, and, and, you know, I think that, so that book was, um, really, really helpful for me, um, to, to help with my transition, um, in, into healthcare. And, you know, I re revisited that book earlier this year and you know, I think it holds up really well. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, I wanted to ask you though, you know, how, how do you see, you know, when you discuss this, um, you know, further here, do you see, how do you see kind of, you know, classic lean approaches and student group principles fitting together and being complementary? What are some of the things that stand out to you? Yeah. You know, and, and I really think that's a, a really important question, Mark, because, um, you know, as a uh, individual that's blessed to work in multiple health systems across the country now, and I get to see, you know, everything from, you know, large academic medical centers to large regional health systems to standalone community hospitals, even, you know, rural critical access hospitals, I find that a lot of organizations are um, asking this question. Um, and they're, they're asking this question out of good intent because, you know, they're trying to uh, become better. They're trying to fulfill their mission. Um, they're trying to respond to uh, the challenges in the external environment with uh, reductions in reimbursement and uh, really trying to improve quality of care. And so many times, you know, that question is being asked. Um, and I think it, it, it's very important and very timely. So thanks for, for bringing it up today. Um, you know, when I think about lean, one of the, the models that I try to go back to to try to give some frame of reference is the uh, Shingo model. Um, and a lot of people who have seen, you know, that model are familiar with kind of that pyramid that um, uh, you see a lot of times that has uh, enterprise-wide alignment. It's got cultural enablers and continuous improvement. And so for a lot of, you know, your audience, uh, I know that those terms will be familiar. Um, and the, the student principles, um, you know, what we coach when we're working with organizations, the framework 
that we actually use is called evidence-based leadership. And the evidence-based leadership actually is built into a couple of different pieces. Um, the first one of those is called uh, Align Goals. Uh, the second one is called Align Behaviors. And the third one is called Align Processes. Um, and the, the irony is, is in my mind, um, I actually see that they're uh, very um, complementary and synergistic to the Shingo model. Um, I even coach sometimes that for organizations that are really strong in a lean deployment system or a lean management system, that they can relate the evidence-based leadership model to that in that regards. Because when we talk about aligned goals, um, you know, a large part of that has to do with that enterprise-wide alignment that you see in the Shingo model. When you talk about aligned behaviors, uh, a large part of that is is really similar to the cultural enablers you see in the Shingo model. And then when we talk about aligned processes, a lot of that is similar to what you find in the um, uh, continuous improvement part of the Shingo model. And so there's definitely a lot of, of synergy there. And even, you know, uh, you opened up our conversation this morning with uh, ADIT. Uh, which is a communication framework that we coach. And, um, you know, things like AIDIT, uh, things like rounding, uh, they're actually examples of standard work. Uh, the, the difference is, is it's standard work of, of people behaviors and not necessarily uh, processes. Uh, and so that creates, you know, some confusion sometimes for people. But it literally is just saying, you know, here is the best way that we know how to communicate at this moment. And it's not meant to be a uh, a rigid prescriptive, but a, a guideline that helps you uh, really follow a best practice model to produce uh, the ultimate value for your customer, which is, you know, a large part of the Shingo principles as well. And so, you know, those are, are some of the ways. And then when I think about the um, some of the principles associated with uh, the Shingo model, you know, whether it's lead with humility or respect every individual, um, you know, create constancy of purpose. You know, those things are just baked into the DNA and the fabric of what we do. And so, um, you know, when I think about that question, for me, it's not a uh, an either or proposition. Um, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, um, should we do lean or should we do studer group? Uh, but it's it's more of a yes and it, it's it's both because you've got to have the leadership piece um, and the the management, the piece. And I really see um, a large part of what we do as really addressing a lot of the leadership systems. And I see a lot of what Lean does um, is really addressing more of the management systems. And I think you need both of those if you're gonna have a, a real culture of high performance. I, I agree. And you know, I've seen organizations that, uh, you know, are really, really uh, excited. Or, you know, they, they've seen great results from their own combination and synthesis of Studer Group uh, principles and and lean. Um, you know, I think I've seen this as you know anecdotal as opposed to any sort of you know like validated PhD research. But when I've gone into organizations um, that that have a foundation of uh, you know a couple of years of of working on the culture, the behaviors, the alignment um, that that has come from their student group coaches, uh, I think a lot of ways that sets them up for. Uh, lean success that there's uh, a good foundation and infertile soil there and you know, I, I agree it's not either or it's um, I, I think a matter of, of combining and I, I, I'm trying to verbally draw a Venn diagram <laughs> if people can kind of imagine a Venn <laughs> diagram I, I think there's a high degree of overlap uh, I think you know there are some specific um, concepts and 
tactics and ideas that are unique contributions from the studio group side. And there, there's probably some things that uh, lean adds that would uh, be new ideas for an organization that's been uh, embracing studio group principles and practices for a long time. So I, I, I think it's, there's, there's a lot of overlap. You know, we talked about when you were talking about aligned goals, that makes me think of a strategy deployment process within yes. uh, mm -hmm. a lean management system. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. This is all very highly complimentary. What, what are some of your other thoughts? Have you seen, um, you know, organizations um, start with Studer and layer lean on top of it or vice versa? How, how do you see some of those connections? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting when we're when we're out there. Um, I'd say we we typically run into one of three scenarios. We typically have um, existing student group partners who are uh, maybe you know uh, multiple years into their uh, what we call student group journey, um, who are beginning a lean journey, and so they're trying to figure out what that looks like. Or we run into organizations that uh, have been you know, deploying the lean uh, management system per se um, uh, for a number of years, and they are, are trying to figure out how to begin a student group journey without disrupting uh, the work that they've been with lean. And, and then I think the third group is, is the organization that just knows that they've got to get better. Uh, and they're trying to figure out, you know, like I said, some of them are asking the question of, of which one should we do? Um, and, and, and many times the answer is, is not necessarily uh, an either or, but, but, maybe, but maybe a little bit of both. Um, and so, yeah, we, we definitely do see that. And, um, you know, I'd, be, I'd love to, um, uh, if it makes sense this morning, you can share some examples of, of some organizations that, uh, you know, we see those things working together. Yeah, sure. You know, um, I think one right this second that comes to my mind um, is actually a um, there's a common acquaintance of ours, uh, Mr. Skip Stewart, uh, out of the uh, Baptist Memorial Healthcare System in Memphis, Tennessee. So they're a um, student group partner, uh, have been for a number of years. Uh, I serve as the uh, account leader uh, for that health system, and they have a very strong, uh, and what I would refer to as very mature, um, uh, lean uh, management system. They refer to it as their Baptist management system. Uh, Skip helps lead that as kind of their um, uh, cultural transformation leader in the organization and uh, just doing a superb job there. And I just my hat, hat goes off to Skip because of the quality of work that he does and just who he is as an individual. And so, uh, Skip, if you're listening this morning, keep up the, the great work out there. Um, but I, I tell you what I've observed about them is, is they are one of their, their top executives is Dr. Paul DePriest. And uh, Dr. DePriest, um, he, he came from uh, the uh, UK, uh, University of Kentucky uh, organization, spent a lot of time up there and uh, has spent, he's just a real uh, student of uh, improvement methodology and, and management theory and uh, management science and uh, really have a deep appreciation for him and just his perspective on this question as well. And he um, really sees our work as being the, the leadership system uh, and then the uh, the Baptist management system being just that, the improvement system. And in his mind, it's not an either or proposition, but it's both. And so when we um, when we started with them, a large part of what um, I did was, was really try to figure out how do we not come in and, and disrupt any of their lean uh, work, but figure out how do we how do we align the evidence-based leadership system to the work that's already being doing, being happening there because it's good work. 
And so for a lot of our tools and tactics that we coach, um, we're able to tailor those, uh, incorporate uh, some of the things that they are doing with their Baptist management system. And so um, there's no need for uh, duplication and redundancy. And if there's something that we coach that that need is being fulfilled through some aspect of their uh, Baptist management system, then we, uh, you know, either delay or, or sunset uh, the need to even implement that. And so I, uh, I try to communicate regularly with Skip around some of those things just to make sure that our work is aligned. And, um, and we find that it works well. And so I think some of the, the big benefits of having both for that organization is they, they do have the opportunity to ensure goal alignment for, um, you know, the, the 20 plus hospitals in their healthcare system across multiple states. Uh, the leader's goals are aligned to that. And as they are uh, deploying their uh, Baptist management system, they have the opportunity to um, make sure that those um, uh, that system is also supportive of those goals. Um, and so the leaders um, all have the opportunity to have monthly conversations with their one up uh, about how those goals are trending. And part of that conversation is them discussing, you know, work they're doing on A3s, uh, kata work, huddle boards, uh, different things like that. And so, uh, there is a lot of, of synergy there. And then I think the, you know, another aspect of it is um, as we're deploying um, some of our uh, more commonly known bedside tools and tactics, so things uh, like some of the rounding behaviors, they will use um, their Baptist management system to help them overcome barriers. And so instead of uh, approaching a, a rounding behavior and saying, should we do this? They'll approach it and say, we know that this is an evidence-based best practice. And so if we are coming up against barriers or hurdles that are preventing us from, um, you know, quote unquote, hardwiring this behavior or this tactic, how can we use our Baptist management system to continuously improve our ability to implement this and make sure that it's sustained? And so, um, so it's a little bit of both. It's, it's our our leadership system helps support their work and their work helps make sure that our leadership system gets improved and gets implemented. So it's a nice compliment out there. And that's a that's a good example that I think is just working uh, really well out in the industry today. Yeah. And I've, I've had the chance to meet Skip just in the past year or two. Um, and and, and I, I need to get Skip on the podcast soon. Um, he's, he's sharing uh, a lot of great content and videos uh, through LinkedIn. I would encourage people go find Skip Stewart on, um, on LinkedIn and, and follow him or connect with him. Um, there's a lot of great work they're doing. Brandon Brown, who's doing um, some great kata, Toyota Kata coaching work with them. It's great to see uh, the, you know, the synthesis of different improvement methodologies um, and, and, and leadership um, approaches. So, um, do, do you have maybe one other question? It's just, you know, uh, if you have advice for organizations about, you know, how to avoid confusion when, um, you know, maybe, you know, leadership intends, hey, we are combining and synthesizing methods. Um, you know, staff in the past maybe have been used to, uh, you know, a program of the month, program of the year approach. And so let's say, you know, lean is, starting to stick and the organization is really committed to it. And now they say we're going to combine Studer practices. How, how do you help avoid 
an impression where people say, "Up, oh, well, they're moving on from lean," or "This is the this is the new thing," and as as a replacement, what 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 advice would you have for leaders about that? Yeah, I think um, three three tips I'll offer. Um, number one is I think words matter, name name and and language matters, and I think one thing that we have found is. We spend a lot of time at the early part of our partnerships with uh, healthcare systems, really talking about, you know, what are we going to call this work? And we find that that's important because one of the first things we want to um, be sunset in our partnership is any kind of reference back to us. Um, so, for instance, uh, at Baptist, um, you know, they use a phrase there called Baptist Cares, and that really refers to as the body of work that. Um, that we help them with, and other organizations that we partner with, you'll you'll find very little um, reference to student group, and and the reason for that is we know that if an individual in the organization is referring to our work um, or lean work as just that, if they're saying you know this is my lean work or this is my student group work, then there's a, a psychological thing that happens there that they have less ownership of it. Whereas if there's some sort of name or brand that really connects back to that organization that's meaningful and really resonates with that audience, um, there's a much better opportunity for that to to stick. And so in a lot of organizations, if they are trying to do both lean uh, and student group, we would actually encourage them to come up with a single um, name or brand that both of those bodies of work could actually fall under. So that it doesn't feel like that, oh, you know, today I've got to work on my student group stuff and tomorrow I've got to work on my lean stuff. But it's really, no, this is our body of work that's helping us transform our organization. And so it's not a, an either or, uh, you know, proposition, but it's really both. And so the first tip would be making sure that you, you pay attention to what are we referring to this work as? Um, you know, what's our common language is helping define our culture around this work. The, uh, the second thing is we find that um, a lot of leaders uh, and organizations um, really need um, skill building when it comes to just change management in general and really understanding that there are phases of change that are highly predictable um, and very much understood in the literature as far as both change for the organization and change for the individual. And the, the way that I like to teach this when I'm working with organizations is I like to talk about, about how is this work going to feel to both you as an organization and to you as a person. And it's going to feel differently maybe in the first 90 days than it does in the first year. And it may feel differently in two years from now than it does in the first year. And we talk about how you need to be aware that those feelings and thoughts around this body of work are going to change and shift over time. And that's very predictable. And so what do you need to do to make sure you're managing successfully through those different seasons um, and addressing the issues during each one of those seasons effectively so that you can move on to the next season? And so change management skill building, I think, has to be a big part of both of these topics, whether an organization is, you know, what I refer to as a purist with lean or if they're a purist with student group or if they are working more of a blended hybrid as most organizations are doing now, um, they still need to be very strong with change management. And then I think that the last tip, Mark, is making sure that there is a strong um, leadership accountability system in place. Um, 
we find that, you know, even with um, our work, even with lean, um, you know, I'll talk about our work first. A lot of times what we find when we start partnering with organizations officially is they're already familiar with most of our tactics. It's not like we walk into most organizations and they have um, a lack of familiarity with what we coach, what we teach. I mean, we have, you know, dozens of books. We have free material on our website. There's conferences that we have. A lot of people have heard our speakers. So a lot of what we do is is what I refer to as common knowledge in the industry. The what I'll say is the kind of the secret sauce of making it stick is we help them put in place a, an accountability system when we start working with them that makes sure that it's not just a flavor of the month, uh, but it does stick. Because um, you know my friend and colleague Craig Dio, he talks a lot about how um, you know it's not hard to improve, but it's hard to sustain. And he talks about the example of how, you know, people will, uh, any, anybody listening to this podcast has probably at some point lost uh, a few pounds uh, throughout the year. And so losing weight is not hard, but sustaining that weight loss is, is what's hard. And he, he'll use that example to really drive home that point. And so the, the accountability system is what sustains that work. And I'll, and I'll say similarly with lean, you know, let's let's just use an example and say that um, you know, an organization decides that they're going to um, uh, start using uh, A3s to really uh, have a consistent uh, problem-solving methodology in the organization for all leaders uh, and individuals. Well, that's a, a fantastic idea, but it's not reality to think that just every person in the organization is going to want to do that, even if you connect that to purpose, even if you um, you know, decide that it's it's what's best for patients. There's going to be a, a small cross section of folks that don't do that just because you want them to. Um, and so there has to be some accountability, even around lean work, to make sure that it is it's done, that it's done well, uh, and done consistently, and isn't just a flavor of the month. So the leadership accountability system is really the third tip there. Yeah, yeah, and th- that's that's great advice. I mean, I see organizations, whether it's the Baptist management system. Uh, the Virginia Mason production system, even though uh, I wonder, I don't, I don't know if the word production resonates with people, but the point is that sure. it's Virginia Masons and it's a it's a system, uh, the Michigan quality system, the Theta Care improvement system. I, I, I think uh, phrases like that are, are meaningful because then that, I think in one way that becomes a banner in which you can fold in other approaches, uh, high reliability organization methodologies. I know Studer Group. Um, you know, sees high degree of overlap there. I've talked with others yep. on the podcast about the overlap between lean and HRO methods. And, uh, you know, we, we can, um, you know, I think uh, you use a banner like that in a lot of helpful ways. And I appreciate the other points you made there too about, you know, change management as a process, um, leadership accountability. Those are things maybe we could dive, dive into uh, in, in a future podcast. Um, but maybe one other question you know, I want to ask before we wrap up here, you, you mentioned, you know, the challenges today. Um, I mean, you know, what, what are some final thoughts you have, you know, advice for healthcare leaders or executives who who look and say, oh, there's so much uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, repeal or change of the Affordable Care Act. There's mergers happening in so many different directions um, across the industry. There, there's a lot of change. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. What what are some of the best ways 
um, to try to navigate that environment? Yeah, I, I appreciate the question. I think, you know, I think the big thing is um, uh, make sure that you have a, um, a strong focus on reconnecting your people, yourself to purpose. Um, you hit on this earlier. And, you know, I was just at an organization yesterday, Mark, who um, they just went through a epic go live uh, over the last, you know, 30 days. And the, 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 the tone in the organization was just one of fatigue. It was one of just, um, uh, you know, I hate to use the over, overused word of burnout, but I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, that's what I felt. I felt it. I saw it. And, you know, people are just tired and, and you've got amazing human beings who have committed their life to providing, you know, quality care to the community and patients. And they're just, you know, really being taxed hard. And so I think the first thing is, is there's, there's got to be an increased level of connecting this work to purpose to make sure that we are, you know, reconnecting and engaging our stakeholders, whether that's physicians, whether it's nurses, whether it's essential services, um, but the people that do this work have to be constantly um, reminded and, we, and they need to remind themselves of why this work matters. Uh, it's more than just a job. Um, it really is a calling for many individuals and it makes a, a big difference in the world. So that's the first thing. Um, I think that the second thing is a relentless focus on your culture. You know, in the in the, the today's world, um, you know, there's not just a competition for reimbursement dollars, but there's competition for uh, manpower and labor. Um, and I think the more that people can focus on being just an amazing place to work, um, then they're going to attract the, you know, the top talent to their organization. If they can focus on being the best place for providers to practice, um, then they're going to have a better chance of recruiting, you know, the top talent when it comes to that. Um, and if they can focus on being just the absolute best place to receive care, create amazing experiences for their patients, um, then they're going to create more loyalty and market share uh, during these challenging times. And so, um, you know, I'm a huge fan and disciple of everything that we've been talking about. But those two things, just a, a connection to purpose and a relentless focus on culture, in my opinion, uh, have to be on the front of minds for uh, for leaders in today's uh, world. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you know focusing on. I think maybe uh, you know, part of what I hear you saying is that in in times where there are a lot of things spiraling outside of an organization's control, the the things you pointed to of focusing on culture, being an amazing place to work, are things that organizations do have a lot of influence over, right? Yes, that's exactly right. And so actually, you know, uh, just that is, is what are those things that we have the most control and influence over? And let's let's do those things. Well, um, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's a great, great point. Um, great advice to end on. Um, so I want to uh, go ahead and, uh, and wrap up here. But Clay, it's been uh, great having the chance to hear your thoughts uh, about your work, your career, Studer Group uh, and Lean. Uh, if people want to learn more, they can, of course, go to um, studergroup.com. Um, lots of resources there, lots of great information there. And if people want to connect with you, if they've got uh, specific questions, how, how would you recommend people do that, Clay? 
Sure. The easiest way would just be uh, to shoot me a quick email. Um, it's clay.linkus, that's L-I-N-K-O-U-S, at studergroup.com. And I'd love to uh, uh, connect with you if you have an uh, uh, opportunity to ask me a question or share some feedback from today. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, we hope people will do that. I want to um, thank you for, for being here and thank everyone uh, for listening. Uh, take care, and I, I hope we cross paths real soon, Clay. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for all the great work you're doing out there to really uh, make a difference in healthcare also. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.